Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Squiggly Career Podcast with myself, Helen Tupper, and the co-founder of Amazing If, Sarah Ellis. Hi everyone. And tonight we're going to do a Q&A. We've done one of these before, but it's essentially where we've got different questions that have come up from our audience, whether they've been on email or on Instagram or on Twitter, and we kind of collect them so that we can do a good Q&A for you. So you so I guess the good thing is you're going to get loads of different tips. It's not on one theme. The bad thing is it's really random. So tonight um, in our answering Q&A, we've got everything from how you're going to get over a bad day, how you can change careers, a bit around effective meetings, Meetings and also our favourite books and podcasts, which is what we're going to end on because I think it's quite a nice, a nice way to end the day. Um, so before we dive into that, Sarah, it is Monday. We're recording on the evening. What, what <laughs> exciting things have you got set up for your week ahead? Uh, actually, I'm going on holiday, so that's that's what I'm uh-huh. most excited about. So uh, I've got a friend who I've not seen for about five or six years visiting from Australia at the moment. So I've got Wednesday afternoon off to spend some time with him, which I'm very excited about. And then we're going on holiday just for a few days in the UK. But, you know, I I find I actually really recommend sort of regular breaks. I think if you work in kind of quite a few peaks and troughs, which I do, having, um, you know, breaks where you can just have a couple of days off just to almost like quickly refresh and recuperate. So not not always big, long holidays, I actually find really useful. I mean, in some ways, the downside is obviously you don't hand anything over. So you essentially pick things up before and afterwards. But I still just like those little kind of extra long weekends away. So I'm definitely kind of gearing up you've, to that. You've always been a fan of the mini break, even even yeah, pre-children. I have. Kind of My uh, boyfriend is so keen that it's Monday. We don't go until Thursday morning. And um, yeah, he's already packed. <laughs> Whereas I'm sitting here surrounded with quite a lot of mess and paperwork. So we have slightly different attitudes to packing. It sounds pretty normal, the mess of paperwork, yeah, last minute. Um, my week has, um, actually, I've kind of got normal normal working week, but a highlight of my week, I'm off to Lytham St Anne's, Royal Lytham St Anne's for a... Um, oh, of course a, you are. Yeah, Women in Leadership Conference this week, so I am getting the golf. train. It's all about golf. I know, I know, I need to pick up my golf. I actually played crazy golf, slightly drunken on Saturday night, but I'm probably, I think this is about like proper golf, so I probably won't mention that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah so it's, it's a really nice golf course. <laughs> it's a uh, leadership conference with about I think it's like 88 women got some inspiring speakers and it's just to kind of connect women and also I think golf is not typically a very um, kind of female orientated sport so it's just to kind of uh, make that more accessible to women as well so yeah so kind of interesting day on Wednesday oh I look forward to the Instagram posts <laughs> yeah can you imagine if anyone give me any tips well I guess when you listen to this I'll have I will already have made You'd a fool of myself <laughs> with any golf references uh, I'll let you know so shall we get straight into this week's Q&A 
Let's. I think you are up first with um, how how to get over. Someone's got in touch with us about getting over like a bad day and a bad week. And I feel like uh, you've got some very recent <laughs> sort of morning experience that you can probably talk yes. about how you don't let that set you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is basically Helen's very polite way of saying there have been some ups and quite a few downs over the last few months with lots of different things going on. Actually, I did an Instagram post about it this Monday morning which, um, as if you're looking for it, is a picture with me kind of holding a cup of coffee. And essentially, the thing that I find most useful when things go wrong, whether they're things outside of your control or whether just things that you just weren't expecting, it is essentially all about mindset. And it, it does sound cheesy, and I always get really worried about kind of things sounding too cheesy. But essentially, you can choose how you respond to those situations. And I think it is so easy when your day started badly. So genuinely, this morning... My little boy woke up at 3.30am, didn't really go back to sleep. I got to the train, it was really badly delayed, wasn't going anywhere for ages, didn't appear. Then it started to rain and I hadn't got an umbrella. And you know, I was so tempted to just be like, no, no, no thanks. I am literally just going to go home and go to bed. <laughs> but I was, I'm then, I suppose I'm mindful of two things. Firstly, that they were all things I can't control. So what's the point, like worrying too much about them? And secondly... If you take that into your day, so if you're grumpy for the rest of the day or you know that kind of wipes out your attitude for the rest of the day, that then impacts on lots of other people who don't know how your day's necessarily started. So you might have just one interaction with somebody and if you're you know a bit down or a bit grumpy and they don't know why, you know we've all had this where you think it's to do with you and I really don't like the idea of somebody feeling like, oh, well, Sarah's obviously not very happy with something or... Maybe she's a bit upset with me about something when actually it's just because I've had a really rubbish train journey in the morning because you don't always, you know, you can't always share those things with people. So that's one thing is I think if you, you know, if you want to have a positive impact on people, you almost have a kind of a responsibility to not take it into your day. Plus, I think then you have a way better day. It reminds me of that quote. <laughs> Remember that, that quote about uh, be aware of the shadow you cast? Oh, uh, yeah. Which is is often used in, in kind of relationship to management or leadership in the idea that actually you, you cast quite a big shadow and therefore mm. the way you are has quite a big influence on other people. But actually, I think we all have a shadow and you, to Sarah's point, you kind of choose what the impact of that is and you are choosing to cast a bit of a miserable, bit of a grumpy shadow that then it affects other people. I'm always really aware of, I don't always succeed, but with my team, I'm always really aware of carrying over a bad meeting mm. into the next meeting because that's certainly not going to help the next meeting be any better and it's not the person's fault that you're now having a meeting with that the last meeting didn't kind of go the way you wanted it to so almost trying to create the moments in the day when you just cut cut off the you almost go okay that wasn't great or that was actually really 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 rubbish but I'm not I'm going to stop it there finding a way to yeah. do that so it doesn't affect the rest of your day so important and one thing that one of my previous bosses I thought did really well is when something has gone significantly wrong, so not just the kind of it's raining, your train was a bit late, but something that's really impacted on you, and that could be a work thing or a personal thing, depending on your own style, she often talked about the importance of signalling, which was essentially, you know, I've just talked about, you know, having a positive mindset, but sometimes things aren't great and, and they're not they're not going particularly well, and actually making sure that you share that with people because actually people want to um, help people just support being supportive and also just just understanding that you might not be on your best form because a certain thing has happened or is going on for you outside of your work life at the moment that you know you feel prepared to share and that's really personal some people feel more comfortable doing that than others but I just really remember her one day I think she'd had um 
her sons that were having like quite a few problems at school or something quite significant. And actually, she just told her direct reports. She just sent a note to saying, just so you know, this is happening and it's actually really tough. And then you just, I don't know, I, I'm not sure we were any different and I'm not sure I would have necessarily noticed because she was always so good and positive, but it just felt nice to know that and to be aware and you probably give someone a little bit more space. So if you're in the right culture and that feels like the right thing for you to do, um, you know, signalling can sometimes also be helpful. I think signalling also can uh, kind of uh, bring out some vulnerability mm. for the people that do it, but in a really positive way. There's some research that we've referenced previously, which shows that teams are more effective. I think it's 50% more effective, but that seems like a really easy round number, like 50%. Yeah, but I think it's significantly, let's say it's significantly uh, more effective. Teams that have um, a culture where they can be vulnerable, the individuals in the team can be vulnerable with each other. So I think that might help you to get over your day because you might get some more support, but also so that helps other people to it sort of creates a culture mm. where support being vulnerable and getting support is a positive thing so again you're helping other people and I think if you can get out of this being just about you and your bad day and how you feel and think more about well, how's this impacting other people how does me being vulnerable and telling people create a culture where other people can do that I think it yeah. um, sort of stops this being just this thing that's going on in your head which can sometimes be a bit magnified as well and also you know being honest obviously I still complained at the start of today to Helen <laughs> you still you still <laughs> got fine. about five whatsapps from me going Oh my god! I've had the worst start to the day ever. This is a disaster. Um, so you know, you're still but you're I, still allowed to complain. But, Just you know, pick pick who you complain to and get it out of your system as quickly as you can. <laughs> and, and maybe there's maybe two more points in there, which is have someone who you find quite supportive in those situations that you can just have a kind of quick uh, moan to, and it's over and it's, it's kind of out out of the way, and then. I think the other one is about getting some perspective. I think that's what someone else can sometimes do for you. Is they? I said to Sarah, actually, Sarah, you've had quite a few things that have, have happened in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> and, and actually, I think you're dealing with them remarkably well. And I think, again, that can give you some perspective when someone else can play that back to you because in the moment, it just, it just seems quite magnified. Definitely. Right, shall I move on to the next question, uh, which is for you? Yes. Um, so, you. And I don't, I don't know if somebody also knows you, and this is why they're asking. So it starts with, <laughs> I'm working a lot. <laughs> uh, how can I start making some time for myself? So I guess in this is a bit of an implied kind of work-life balance question, but I think we all get into this mentality at times where it just feels like work is dominating your life and you're just not doing anything for you. So, you know... You work pretty hard, Helen, pretty consistently. But I do always feel... <laughs> I wrote this question. I didn't, I didn't, but I do have a perspective um, on it. <laughs> but I feel like you do, you, you're always very conscious about making time for yourself. So like, how, how do you even go about doing that? Um, yeah, so I think I'm quite tuned into how I feel and when I need to cut off and I can be I think like positively selfish when I feel like oh this is kind of enough like so tonight for example after the podcast I'm actually a little bit tired today I feel a little bit run down so as soon as I finish this podcast I'm just shutting off I will put my phone away and there are a couple of activities that I personally find really good for shutting off so reading a really good book but specifically a hardback book rather than a digital book when on my like kindle or something where I can start browsing the internet and getting distracted I find that's um that's quite absorbing for my mind so I can't think about anything else or having a bath or actually for me just going to bed early one of those things is how I shut off so point one is I'm really in tune with how I feel and once I feel like oh do you know what? I'm a bit tired or I'm not feeling great I'm not like I'm just gonna keep going anyway I'm very much like okay that's enough now I just need to I just need to end today and refuel 
And so that's my first point. And the second thing is I kind of I think a bit of a realization that continually working with no break is a lose-lose. It is not going to help you. You are not going to recover. There's the um, Work Wellbeing podcast we did, I think about two episodes ago, where we talked about, it talks about being a corporate athlete was the the article that we referenced from Harvard Business Review in that podcast. But the concept there is that stretch is really good to help you grow but if you if you do it too much it's quite damaging so you know if an athlete is running and running and running and testing their muscles every day they won't improve because you need to rest and recover in order to improve and I think that's very much the same here and so if you just keep working you're like I'm going to slog it out every day I don't have any time to pause then yeah you're not going to be at your best but you're not going to be at your best for your company and if that's what's driving this if it's your company or side project or whatever this thing is that's creating this perception that you need to work all the time it's just lose lose not good for you not good for the output that you're trying to create so you just need to kind of create some kind of break and I think finding that thing for you that is um, a really positive use of your energy it might be exercise so I guess for, for Sarah for you it's probably something like netball right that you would do or running yeah 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 I think some some sort of exercise which but the same principle as you were talking about in terms of I think now with all the distractions it is so easy to like look at your phone or to quickly check your emails and to kind of get even just like mentally dragged into, oh, just looking at one email that you perhaps don't even like, you probably CC'd and you maybe don't even need to read or, you know, whatever. I think something that is is so absorbing that you you kind of can't work. It just takes away the temptation. Now, some people might not need that because you just have that discipline. But I just find even just going for a walk, I really enjoyed just going for a walk and listening to a podcast, but with my phone in my bag rather than like in my yeah. hand. And, and somehow, again, psychologically, that feels different. And I think I'll be really honest as well. I found it harder since having children. So before children, I kind of had more time to relax. So on a weekend, I could choose to work on Amazing If, um, or I could choose to just, I don't know, oh, go to the spa the days, or go hey? shopping or, I know, or sit and read the paper with a cup of coffee. <laughs> Whereas now I go from quite an intense week where I'm spinning quite a lot of plates. And my weekend, I very rarely work over the weekend. Occasionally, Sarah and I'll do a podcast on a Sunday night, but very rarely because that is my family time, um, which is amazing and fun, but it's not really relaxing. So I kind of... <laughs> feel like now I have these um very finite periods of time that I can relax but the positive thing about that is it's made me even more conscious of it because I know like that's the only spot I get and I um I'll say to my husband look I really need to just go and have a bath or go to bed early and um we have that understanding that that's that that will kind of be better for us at the weekend if I've kind of got more energy so I think just being very specific about the time that you need making sure that with your partner or your with your friends or whatever you're clear about that so you can sort of protect that time for yourself um and then also realizing I realizing I don't want to say realizing your limits because that sounds quite negative but just realizing that you you need that and therefore you might need to say no to some other things to going out or taking on that extra project or going to that event or whatever it is you might Mm. need to say no to that in order to give yourself the time so that you can uh, re-energize yourself yeah and I would say actually this is probably the question that people come to talk to me about the most into like in a a kind of work Mm. capacity is often it's not they don't enjoy their job it's just that they are working so much and I do think you often get to the point where you can't see the wood from the trees because you're just you're lost in it all and I definitely do this because I I actually really enjoy what I do so I just you I could just sort of keep going and then suddenly you have this realization of that is what you're spending all your time doing the one thing actually I, I we've not kind of talked about that I always really encourage people to do is yes there's a something about making time for things that are important to you 
but there's also taking accountability for the work that you are doing day to day and really thinking about, I think Helen referred to it as kind of where you're making the most impact. And what happens if you started to delegate some work, whether it's say no to some work, whether it's to challenge the deadlines on some work. Often I find that people just sort of assume that things are not movable. And then actually when you, I don't know, go and chat to that person and say, I've got these three projects on at the moment. Actually, I can't do this fourth thing or I can't start that fourth thing for another month. But I'm really keen to do it. It's just I won't have the capacity until that moment. Often people kind of go, okay, well, I, I appreciate that. And in the worst case scenario, if they're going, well, I think that's actually really important, then, you know, making people uh, kind of have that conversation openly to then say, okay, well, if I'm going to prioritise this, something else needs to get stopped for a while. I think people often just keep adding stuff and adding stuff. And often because they are good and motivated, that list just gets longer and longer. And I think at some point you have to stop and go, okay, so if this new thing does need to come on, then something else does have to go or it has to stop for a bit. And just realising that... Like Helen said, keeping working all of the time. They are never the best people. The people who I've watched, who I, I really admire and who succeed, always work hard. And we talked about that in the, in the um, Grit podcast. You know, they're, they're really dedicated. They work really hard. But they also are very clear about when to stop, when to say no, what to do in what order. And I think that's actually prioritising, I think, is a really important skill set, especially in squiggly careers, because we're all managing multiple jobs, multiple projects, everything's getting more projecty. So like keep practicing that what's the most urgent, what's the most important, where do I have the most impact? And is that where I'm actually spending my time? And my last thing that I'll say on this is about um, like, like the the rhythm of your job or the seasonality of your job. So some jobs have a seasonality. So maybe if you work in retail, Christmas is a particularly busy period. Or I've noticed actually in Microsoft, it's not like a seasonal business. It's just like a rhythm. So a couple of months, it's really, really busy. And then a couple of weeks afterwards, it's a little bit quieter. Whatever that rhythm or seasonality looks like for your business think you have to accept in in that peak time it is what it is like you're not cancelling Christmas if you work in retail it, it's going to be a busy time but you've got to make some space as that's kind of pausing so maybe that would be in the end of January or something just try and take advantage of the rhythm of the business don't just keep working flat out try and pause before the next kind of peak comes I've definitely seen that in Microsoft. I'm very aware now of that kind of rhythm where I can take a little bit of a a quieter week, maybe not have quite as many meetings in my diary, maybe work from home a little bit so I can just do a bit of thinking and planning before it all takes control of itself again, if that makes sense, and I'm sort of on, on a wave. So that's the end of that one. Hopefully that's helped uh, for the person that was asking about I'm working a lot. How do I start making time for myself? Um, the next one, Sarah, is for you. Uh, so we've had this from two people, actually. Worded slightly differently. So the first person was said basically they wanted to change careers. How do they do that? And I've had a question also on Instagram from somebody who was asking about changing industries, which I think we've talked about a little bit before. But your thoughts on changing careers, changing industries, where does somebody start if that's what they want to do? So I think my first question to people who want to do something quite dramatically different from where they are today is why, like, why do you want to make that change? Um, Because I find that people probably do fall into two camps. Sometimes people are just really not enjoying their current role or their current company, but actually they do quite like the discipline they're in or the industry they're in. They're just not well suited to what it is they're doing at that moment, but there's when you kind of dig into it, there's often quite a lot that they do enjoy. It's just they've lost perspective and sense of that because there's also quite a lot they don't. 
So I think really often um, depends on your mentality, but we all have this kind of fight or flight type thing. And sometimes when things are not going well, our reaction is to go, oh, this is a disaster. I'm just going to do something really different. Whereas there might be some things that are really positive that are worth reminding yourself about that you want to take with you. Or sometimes it's genuinely you kind of going, no, I I do want to do something different. I'm really clear about why not. Either, you know, I don't feel like my strengths are really valued in maybe this sector or in this type of a role. I can spot an opportunity to do something that I'll be more passionate about, more interested in elsewhere. My first bit of advice to people who want to make that kind of a change is if you are trying to do something very different, try and break it down into small steps and actually try and phase that change because often it is quite difficult to jump, I think, from being... I remember actually meeting one girl on a leadership programme who had, I think, previously been an accountant and then ended up working in more like sports, marketing, with like athletes and things like that because she was really into sport. So she had made that really dramatic leap. And the way that she'd done it was, because it was something, it was kind of a passion point for her, she dedicated a lot of time to building up her network in that area really trying to understand what was going on in that industry at the moment, trying to keep up to date with trends so that she could talk really confidently about it and actually never worrying about, you can't compensate for the fact that that's not what you're doing at the moment and you, you can't you can't almost overcome that. So someone, someone somewhere will always have more experience potentially in that area than you will have. But what you can do is show that you've got you know, that willingness to learn, to dive in, that you're really eager, you understand, you've done almost as much as you possibly can before actually making that leap so that essentially you're making it less risky for you because you've spent loads more time exploring and investigating before making that jump and a lot less risky for the people taking you on because again they know that you've understood a lot you can ask really good questions you've hopefully built a bit of a network so you're just giving yourself the opportunity to kind of make that change by having done almost quite a lot of pre-work yourself so it does take quite a lot of dedication and you're sort of often then doing two things in parallel but I think that often makes a transition easier. And sometimes it can be about, um, you know, doing something in the interim that gets you a step closer, but not quite to the thing. I don't know if that kind of makes sense. But uh, often I see people who've done this really successfully will make one jump, um, which gets them halfway to where they're hoping to go. And they, they're sort of prepared to dedicate 18 months, two years to being that bit closer because they recognise that it's a really good stepping stone for ultimately where they'd like to go. I also think that don't try and be like everybody else. So let's say you're going for a role and it's in, it's a different, it's a completely different job to the one you're doing. So uh, a long time ago, I was going from sales into marketing. That was completely different. Now me trying to pretend I'm as much as a marketing expert as somebody who is applying from marketing into marketing, I'm not really going to win that. What I can do is really almost look at my differences, the fact that I've come from sales, and then think about what advantages that represents. So in that situation, I could talk about my commerciality, the my ability to negotiate, my ability to understand the end customer, and to think about how I could relate that feedback into marketing campaigns. So rather than hiding your differences, because you think, oh, that's going to expose what I don't know. Don't do that because there will be loads of value. You might have to think about how you spin it or connect the dots, but that that's your uniqueness. That's kind of the distinct value that you can add in that equation. So just think about how you tell that story to somebody else because that'll make you stand out, that'll make you different. And I do think, I've spoken to quite a few people actually who are looking to make a career change and I think it can feel quite frustrating because in some areas... 
people find it hard when, you know, people applying for roles don't look like maybe the people before them. Or, you know, they kind of have a point of view about, oh, you need to have this experience to be able to do the role well. Now, it's tricky, isn't it? Because we talk about squiggly careers and you would hope that the premise of squiggly careers is that actually people appreciate, you know, more probably the kind of plethora of experiences that people can bring and that ideally as a leader, you're looking at it in the round in terms of as a team, do I have all the right skill sets and the right dynamics, the right behaviours, the right strengths for what I'm trying to create as a whole? But sometimes people do still find it hard to look past, you know, what they've maybe had before or maybe what even they've done. And so, I mean, I'm not sure um, this this is not something necessarily that you can do differently. But I do. I think you probably have to expect have a certain level of resilience and perseverance. And again, the people I've seen who've done this well, it's often through connections, building relationships, going to speak to people individually at kind of a one to one level rather than maybe just applying for things cold on LinkedIn or whether it's through recruitment agents or or people like that and trying to find a couple of organisations that can help you with that process. So there's things like Escape the City, which, um, you know, Escape the City do some really good events. Theirs is more about how to take the skills that you've got and kind of be in a very different environment. So the one I always remember is like, go and be a lawyer and save the turtles at the same time. Like that, that was like always my like favourite one of like, oh, I'm just going to go and do some, I don't know, I don't know what lawyering does, legislation or something. And at the But it was like, it was definitely like you got to live in, oh my God, I don't know where turtles live, but it was like some exotic island like the Bahamas, which probably don't have turtles, but that would just show up my lack of geography knowledge. My dad would be so disappointed in me right now. But you get to go and live somewhere on the beach and use the skills you've already got. So that's it does what it says on the tin in terms of, you know, escaping the city. But I suspect if you took one of those sorts of roles, you would also be getting a whole new skill set, you know, probably getting to go and live in a really kind of different and really interesting place culturally. So that's um, one that can be really helpful. And they do, I've been to some of their events, and um, they've spoken at some things that we've done before, and I, I always think they do a really brilliant job. And then I think there's one called Career Shifters, which we'll put on um, the resources, yeah, which I've seen before. And they do some, because all of their content is very targeted at people who are trying to kind of make this move, I think they really understand that context of this This is hard. You do have to kind of persevere and have really good hints and tips and, you know, how to do it, the steps, the steps to take, who might be the best people to speak to, who will have that open perspective versus, you know, there are some industries. And, I, you know, I've been for jobs before where, I genuinely have been in a very connected industry to that industry and been told, oh, no, we don't come from that exact thing. And, I, you know, I've actually been quite close to that thing and still been told, well, no, they would only take people from a specific industry. And that can feel quite disheartening because you sort of feel like people are not considering all of the different things you have to offer. But equally, I go, well, if you're trying to do something different, go to where people are most open to that rather than trying to kind of change the whole system, essentially. And I think if it's not about changing careers, if it's about changing industries, it's pretty much um, the same advice. I think just succinctly my experience, because I've moved from, oh gosh, um, FMCG to financial services, to energy, to oil and gas, to consumer products and services, to technology. That's kind of like <laughs> my, my career switching or, or shifting. Um, and I would say, yeah, your network's really important, really focusing on that. What's the value that you add, not the knowledge that you don't have. And then also the only other one for me has been to have a really strong and consistent personal brand. So that thing that you're all about, kind of make that visible and consistent in a different place 
places. So for me, you know, I'll, I'll write for a marketing week and what I speak at events will be on a similar theme about career development and leadership and helping people there be their best. And that's kind of translates across all the different industries that I might do. And I think that would be my third thing as well. Just think about how you're showing up outside of those opportunities consistently. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So our fourth question, before we get on to our favourite books and podcasts, which I suspect we're going to have to Yay. keep quite short because otherwise we'll get lost in the world of, oh, you should read this and this is really good, is... Um, <laughs> Should meetings be limited to 15 minutes? I love this question. I, know, I, knew, <laughs> I you. knew you'd love this question. <laughs> so I do, I, I love a bit of productivity. So like every productivity <laughs> app or collaboration tool that I could have done downloaded, I, I will have downloaded. And I, um, I love the question, but I'm actually not sure how I feel about 15 minute meetings because I feel like if that was a rule... I actually find, might find that a bit stressful. So I, I heard from someone recently about um, a manager who will only let them talk about three things in a meeting, um, <laughs> and which is the manager's rule for efficiency. But I actually would find that quite stressful because what if I had more than three things? And in the same context, if every meeting had to be 15 minutes, personally... I'm not sure that would that you know that would that, that would work for me all the time and I'd just be like I've got to get all this done I'm just going to have to schedule another 15 minute meeting. However, um there is yeah, some you're really... basically just have loads of about about 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> 15 meeting number 2. Um so yeah. the, there is quite a lot of uh, research and we'll post some of these articles um around the ineffectiveness I guess at the opposite end of the scale of kind of micro meetings if that's what we call these 15 minute meetings there are like the mammoth meetings and mm. that's the all day like the one day two day meetings and I have been I've definitely been in companies where they've done those for example in um 
when I used to work for BP, uh, almost like one month in every four, we'd go to a different country for a one week long meeting. Wow. <laughs> that I mean, was, that, that, that was that is crazy. a lot of meeting. Um, and you do, you'd be doing kind of the data and you definitely, it is, it is proven that your brain has a kind of a limited attention span before you will start thinking about other things. You'll start having almost like social cues or distractions, checking your phone, shifting in your chair, looking at a clock. And what I found interesting from, um, there's a Forbes article, Sarah, that you found it says 10 reasons why your brain hates long business <laughs> meetings, which I love that. And they talked about this um, this concept called psychosocial contagion, which I think sounds really interesting. <laughs> I um, made it. Um, yeah, I, I love it. Uh, when I look, looked at it into a little bit more, other people just call it emotional contagion. But the idea of this is um, all of that um, kind of irritate. like if you're a bit bored in a meeting and you're shifting and you're, I don't know, you're flicking through your book or you're looking at your phone, that behaviour is almost catching. Think of that yawn mentality. You know, when you yawn and someone else yawns, I think this is the same the same thing. It's almost like this mirroring behaviour that actually then sets off the rest of the people in the room. So it's not just as soon as one person gets bored and starts sort of physically demonstrating that, other people kind of catch that boredom and then that's just unproductive. Um, so... Also, I looked in one of the articles, um, which is a Fast Company article about science-backed methods for more productive meetings. It talked about the TED Talks and that TED Talks are 18 minutes long. And there's some scientific research that says the attention span is 10 to 18 minutes um, before people start checking out. Now, obviously, you can bring people back, but it's it's like after 18 minutes, you kind of need to re-engage people with maybe a question or change the person who's speaking uh, to kind of keep people listening it's one of the reasons actually why Sarah and I try and make sure that one of us doesn't talk too much on this podcast because we're aware that you might like kind of tune out from us when we're talking for too long so we just make sure that you get to hear from each other though someone did once say that we sounded similar so I'm not, I'm not sure it always works um but yeah so should they have 15 minute meetings I actually think it is an interesting discipline to have a look at the don't just automatically do one hour meetings I've started to try yeah. and do 45 minute meetings because mm-hmm. it cuts it a little bit shorter and then I at least get 15 minutes to just collect my thoughts you know, sort out any quick actions that I can do before I get onto the next one. If I'm honest, for me personally, a whole day of 15 minutes meetings, I'd probably just find quite stressful because it'd just be too, I feel like it would be too many. It wouldn't reduce the amount of meetings I would do. What, what do you think? Um, I, th- I think also it depends on the kind of type of meeting. So I, I suppose a lot of the time, I think when meetings are talked about, it's it's this very like formal context of probably sitting down, with an agenda um, going through a kind of number of points together. And that's where some of the discipline about going, only be in the room if you really need to be. Make sure you've, you know, make sure you've done the preparation before. If there's things like pre-reads, make sure you've read them. Um, Sainsbury's actually had some really good disciplines around things like that, where almost like the opposite of the bad contagion, the good contagion happened. So things like, <laughs> like if, you know, every, it was, um, and I think because it was kind of instilled from the from the top, it was like, right, um, you know, if people send a one-page summary beforehand, everyone in that meeting room beforehand has read it and absorbed it and are ready with their questions and what they think so that very quickly you can move to having a discussion which obviously engages everyone and getting to a recommendation or an approval or whatever it is you need to get to. So I, what, often what I find interesting about kind of meetings is the things that happen before and after a meeting are, are just as important. And this is where I sometimes feel like I often fall down I'm good at preparing because I'm naturally a prepare and planning person. If I know I've got something coming up in whatever sort of meeting context, I'm good at making sure they've got what they need to read before I've thought beforehand. 
where I'm rubbish is afterwards. I think because I kind of go, oh, and I'm done. And then because I don't naturally <laughs> have that kind of complete a finisher type mentality. There's been a few instances, particularly recently, where I've had a really important meeting with someone and then could have really done with an hour afterwards to consolidate what I was thinking, probably write up some of the things, make sure I knew what the actions were, almost like like kind of finish that process, which is not about having another meeting. It's just about me sitting for myself and making sure I've really understood and, and know what needs to happen next. And I'm actually, that was one of the things I was thinking about today, actually. I'm going to try and do that a little bit more with how I manage my own time. is Because I think you often know when you need those times because they are yeah. things that are more complicated or you may be being briefed on something. And make sure that then I also allocate myself the time afterwards to go, just give myself three quarters of an hour probably with, right, what do I do next? And, and actually really just focus on actions related to what I've just heard and not let myself get distracted by, oh, what emails did I get in the last hour or all of that kind of stuff. So that's going to be my own top tip to myself. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounded like maybe 15 minute meetings wouldn't work for us, but for the 45 minute meeting definitely does work for me as long as I don't put lots of back to back 45 minutes meetings in. And it sounds like for you, it's just thinking about the pre, during, post meeting is the way that you make them more effective. Yeah, definitely. Should we do our favourites? Yeah, our favourites. Do you want to go first? Okay, so I thought I would do a podcast I'm listening to already that I really like and one that I've just discovered and the same for a book. I realise I've not told you this before, so feel free to change change the format if you like to. So a podcast I really like is by a guy called Andy Bird. His podcast is called The Inspired Leader and he's written a book with the same title and he goes around and interviews just really interesting leaders from lots of different backgrounds. So the reason I like it is not everyone, but most people are kind of outside of the day-to-day business environment. So they could be people from the forces or school teachers, but they all have leadership capabilities um, and have achieved really amazing things. And he just has a really lovely interview style and I think gets really interesting insights from people. And it's just a, a good listen that often I take away. I'm, I'm interested in their stories anyway, because they, you know, they've been very successful in their field. So it's fascinating to know why they do what they do and, and you know what they enjoy, what they find difficult. And there's always some, you know, just those pearls of wisdom that you're like, oh, yeah, that's just really helpful to remember or to learn. Um, so I love that one at the moment. And then the one that I've just discovered is called Women at Work. So this is a HBR, so Harvard Business Review podcast. And I hadn't realised that at the start of the year, they they'd introduced a new one that is specific to almost like gender challenges, opportunities in the workplace. So there's some things like a podcast on gender pay gap, on why imposter syndrome impacts women more than men. And I've just discovered that one. I saw it recommended on something on Instagram this morning. So I've got it ready to listen to tomorrow. So then they're, they're my podcast ones. Do you want to do yours first? Um, yeah, sure. So I'm going to follow your format uh, uh, on the fly. Um, so an established podcast that I listen to and, and never miss is the Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat podcast from Bruce Daisley that I think we both listen to. Um, yeah. The reason I like it is because I just really like bruce's questioning style so he always uh, obviously heavily researches the people that he's speaking to so he asks really interesting questions he really goes a bit deeper into the people's research he connects concepts from different podcasts so he'll be like oh i spoke to this person and this is similar and i just find his brain and the way that he interviews and the people that he gets onto his podcast to talk just really interesting i can always he always covers things that i'm like so we'll cover purpose and culture and teamwork and time 
time management and just things that are on my mind whenever I see his new podcast I'm like oh brilliant yeah that's always it's always kind of like a go-to thing that um, is interesting for me so that's an established one I've got a couple of new ones actually because I just love love listening to podcasts. So there's an Easy Numbers podcast that I am listening to, which is done by somebody who has a website called Easy as VAT, which is not easy. I'll just put that one out there. But the Easy Numbers <laughs> podcast, it kind of, <laughs> there's a uh, there's a backstory to that which we'll leave there. But the um, the uh, it's just a, a podcast that kind of helps make counting a little bit easier, a little bit if you're kind of ever a bit scared of finances. That Easy Numbers podcast is quite a good one. I'm also really enjoying the in good company podcast that is one for kind of female entrepreneurs um and um by otago awegba and it's just really good again uh, it's had like emma gannon on um really interesting person who's got a cactus business in london called prick called janelle i've forgotten her surname now but she yeah really really good um stories just really diverse people and um otago has this really calming voice that i just i just want to listen to i listen to it when i'm driving to work and i always just feel like just feel a little bit calmer when i've listened to that podcast oh that would be that's a nice thing for people to hear i bet you no one ever feels calm when they listen to us i just can't imagine that that would be the feedback that we would get <laughs> let us know if we're calming that'd be a really nice that'd be a nice yeah. piece of feedback the, the emotion that you take from our podcast um, yeah it'd be always interesting hmm. always open to feedback yeah, yeah. so let's calming. do books yeah you um, start with your books so Jill, i really put really hesitated i wasn't sure about recommending this book because it's not um the title of the book is not one that I love, but I do think the content is brilliant regardless of gender. Um, and that's Career Advice for Ambitious Women. And there's something in that title that always just makes me pause a little bit because it, it's just probably not a sentence that I would say. But Heather McGregor, who wrote the book, is a journalist, has lots of writing for the FT. And I just remember reading it and it's very practical. And it's really stayed with me. All of her advice has really kind of stuck in terms of things to learn and she gives you it could feel patronizing but I actually just found it useful um if you kind of take it in that spirit at the end of every chapter she literally gives you homework and actually if you listen to her talk and things you can really imagine her giving you homework (laughs) and you'd always do it because she's got such like lovely authority and she's very credible and you just think okay yeah I'll go and do my homework so I liked the fact I think when I first started thinking about my own personal development and career development more seriously I found that quite a useful kind of how to guide and also really inspirational because you know she's interviewed lots of women who are very successful and, and she is very successful in her own right and you talked about emma um emma gannon just then so emma's got a new book out called the multi-hyphen method with a lovely bright yellow cover and i've not read it yet but it's very much i think the epitome of squiggly careers so she used to be a social media editor i think at glamour magazine left a couple of years ago I think she's in her late 20s now and she really does the kind of portfolio career thing so writes books did podcasts loads of different things so I'm really fascinated to kind of read her book and her insights I suspect she'll be um, a brilliant writer because she's been a journalist and actually she was featured I saw um this morning in the management today 35 women under 35 I um, saw that too yeah at the weekend congratulations to her for that it's brilliant so yeah she's someone who I just think is a really good role model for kind of this different way of working that I think lots of people are interested in exploring so mine then I think you'll be surprised by my my classic <laughs> um it's because I don't think I've really we, you and I really talked about it but I was thinking about the book and um it actually made me think oh, I really need to reread that there's a book called Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath who are brothers and it's He's all got about... to be American with Chip yeah they are yeah Chip and Dan I absolutely love that name <laughs> Chip <laughs> 
um, for a second child. Uh, so uh, yeah, the, the book is all about how you kind of make ideas, how you influence people with almost like, there's another book actually called By What If called Sticky Wisdom that I like, but so I've obviously got this theme of how you make ideas stick and influence. But I like this one. The whole book is structured around an acronym that they use and they give lots of examples of where this has been brought to life effectively by other companies. But they talk about kind of um, stickier ideas are simple. Um, so the acronym is success, by the way. Uh, so the, the S is simple, um, where you've got the core of any idea. It's unexpected. So how do you grab people's attention by surprising them? It's concrete. So you've got to make sure that an idea can be grasped uh, and remembered. It's credible. So you've got some kind of statistics that make it believable. It's emotional. So it has that kind of appeal to it that people can connect to it. And then it's got stories so people can uh, kind of be, feel empowered by it. And it just talks through brands who are doing it really well. And it's a relatively easy read. Um, I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to do this better. And actually from recommending it on the podcast now, I'm going to reread it. And I've just finished another book. So now I've finished this one, I can kind of get back to Made Stick, which is called How to Be an Overnight Success, which I appreciate is like an irritating title, but it's a really <laughs> interesting book. And it's again, oh, quite are, we, are we now going to be an overnight success? <laughs> well, the, that's amazing. actually the concept of the book is that it, nobody is an overnight success. So it's written by um, Maria oh, nice. Hatz or something. I can't say her surname, but she's the fa- founder of a brand called Rodial, and it's a beauty and a skincare brand. But it talks about how she built the business and how everyone was saying, oh, it's an overnight success. And she'd actually been working on it for like 18 years. And it, it's all about how she, her commitment and her ideas. But it's uh, even outside of kind of like a beauty and skincare context, it's got a lot of great ideas about how you get PR, how you can get people to endorse your brand, how you build a personal brand. So each goes like a little chapter, each one's, I think it's like about 12, 13 chapters, and each one is kind of her story of how she built her brand. And then at the end of each chapter, there's some really practical tips. Um, and I read it a couple of evenings in a couple of hours, just went through it quite quickly on the Kindle app on my phone. But again, found some quite practical ideas to take away for Amazing If as well. Brilliant. So hopefully you found that really useful today in terms of those Q&As, you know, going from everything from, you know, finding more time to do things we want to do to what books you need to read, which is probably some irony in that in terms of you've got no time and then we're just telling you to listen to some podcasts, read some books. Um, But hopefully it's it's useful. Um, And we will keep doing these Q&A sessions probably every couple of months, depending on demand. But if you do have questions that just pop up, don't feel like you have to wait for us to ask for when we're doing the next Q&A. Just let us know on Instagram or LinkedIn or message and we just store them all up anyway so if you've listened today and you think oh actually there's a question now I've got that they've not covered just let us know now um, and we'll kind of we'll add it to our list probably in one of Helen's many productivity apps that she has we'll we'll save it somewhere (laughs) Um, and as always we always really appreciate people recommending the podcast to friends family people you work with please do rate and review the podcast if you get a chance that really helps us to make sure that we can keep doing these weekly and as ever you can follow us on instagram and twitter get in touch with us on linkedin uh, we're, not, we're not too hard to find yeah and so next week we're going to talk about something that sounds a bit sad actually when you say it but um loneliness at work and this was prompted by an article in the telegraph this last week talking about actually how you know very relevant to squiggly careers we're all going to be working in more places probably more remote working people working from home more regularly does that actually make you feel kind of more lonely in terms of you don't have the same sense of collaboration or relationships with people at work that maybe you did previously or actually is it just that as a society 
we are becoming lonelier at work and there's actually lots of talk now around kind of loneliness generally being quite a big societal issue. So I've also read and done some really interesting work previously on the power of actually having a best friend at work. So I thought we would kind of combine a couple of themes almost about these kind of the importance of relationships at work and, and how does that work and how is that changing? And a couple of people actually got in touch with us last week as well when they saw that article to say they'd be really interested in us talking about that. So we're going to explore that a little bit next week. I'm really looking forward to talking about that because I feel like it's a kind of along with the mental health podcast that we did. It's just an important theme that I think people might find really, well, I hope they'll find all of our podcasts useful, but I think some people are more comfortable talking about how do I mean be more efficient with my time and what books can I read? And I feel like this could be something, you know what, if someone's feeling a bit lonely, this could be helpful, really helpful for people that might not have had that conversation. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having that conversation next week. And as ever, thank you so much for listening. Have a really good week and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 